0: Most people want to uh, go to work getting along with their colleagues and be able to go home and not have to worry about it. So it's in everyone's best interest that we start leaning into these courageous conversations, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable so that at the end of the day, we can go home to our beautiful families and not have to be caught up in that cycle of worrying about what's being said at work and getting a handle on that.
1: Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience. I have first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy, and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and indulgence to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Happiness Podcast. As you all know, I'm Elena and today I am joined by Ali Nitschke. Ali is known as a high performance leader and driven towards success. Ali's on a mission to teach people how to have courageous conversations and work with organisations to create courageous leaders. As a mother of four boys under six, Ali can multitask like a boss. She's mastered the art of running a tight ship with military precision without compromising on creativity, collaboration and fun. Ali believes in doing life on purpose and brings that philosophy into everything she does at work and at home. Ali's been working as a leader and with leaders for the last 15 years with a background in arts, finance, change management and leadership. Ali is exceptional at connecting the dots and streamlining systems to ensure organisations and their people are ready for high performance. Hi Ali, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting to be here. It's lovely to have you here, and I was really excited to have you on to speak about these courageous conversations, because I think as nurses, it's something we have to do quite regularly, and we don't realise we're doing it at times, and I think there's a lot of stuff you could share with our listeners that they could really learn from.
0: Oh my goodness, yes. As you know, Courageous Conversations is uh, certainly a passion point of mine and it's one of those unique skills that you can uh, share across all sorts of industries, um, all kinds of sectors. And I think right now, particularly with nurses and your listeners, it's more important than ever to be able to master these skills because there is so much going on right now in the world that we need to be talking about with uh, either your team leaders or with your patients or whomever it happens to be.
1: Yeah, because at the end of the day, we are the eyes and ears for the rest of the medical team. And we are the patient's advocate. So we need to be able to communicate effectively with the rest of the team to ensure the patient is receiving the optimum care possible. Absolutely. So I'll start with my standard questions and then we can jump into the courageous conversations. As you know, um, I promote self-care to nurses And as part of this, I talk about having a non-negotiable. What would be your non-negotiable in your self-care? I love
0: that you're talking about this. And I think it's something that we, we all talk about. But then when it actually comes to executing, I think that's where it gets a little bit hazy. So. I too have some non-negotiables and I have a non-negotiable every single day. So as you mentioned, I'm a mum of four, uh, which is, you know, can get pretty crazy sometimes. So my non-negotiable is I do something that is just for me. So not for the kids, not for my husband, not for anyone else that's just for me. And it could be we live quite close to the beach so it could be uh, you know a 15 minute walk along the sand and getting earth that way it could be a cup of tea it could be a cup of hot tea to be precise uh, it could be <laughs> yes. yeah. um, it could be anything but it's something that I, I carve out every single day that is you know we could say selfish and I'm sure as many mothers are particularly and women do something that is just for me and me alone is my non-negotiable self care.
1: Yeah, and that's so important, especially as a busy mum of four boys. And they're all quite young still as well, aren't they? They
0: are. So I've got four under, oh, my eldest has just turned seven. So four, seven and under. So the seven, five, three and one. So they are still quite tiny and uh, they are definitely still quite nocturnal.
1: Wow, I can imagine why you need to run a tight ship. I have two boys and they are, well, they're about to turn 12 and 8. They've both got their birthdays within two weeks of each other. But they've got me running around in circles sometimes. So, yeah, maybe I need to get some parenting tips from you after this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I... You do, and I know what it's like having the boys in the house. It's crazy. And you do just need to carve out that five minutes for yourself or 15 minutes for yourself every day. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely you do. Yeah. So that's scheduled in and that's a non-negotiable each and every day.
1: I created a model of self-care that broke it down into five different aspects because self-care often gets associated with bubble baths, trips to the spa, going and getting your hair done – where I realised that it goes much, much deeper than that. So I've broken it down into the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and the indulgent aspects of our self-care. What would be your idea of the indulgent self-care? Oh, I know you mentioned about
0: bubble baths, but I actually uh, have a Sunday self-care Ritual. So once all the babies are in bed, I draw myself a very nice deep bath, and I'm not sure if you've got this over over there in WA, but we've got a store called Lush, which is all natural, um, luxurious bath products and bath bombs and that type of thing. So I actually do have a Lush bath bomb uh, bath, and it is so uh, so so luxurious, and I absolutely love it and do it every Sunday without fail. And interestingly, I was talking to my husband about this um, just the other day. A few years ago, I went trekking in India in the Himalayas like way out in the um in the wilderness
1: and
0: it the the funny part of the story is we uh, we couldn't shower or bath or anything like that we were literally you know had a couple of donkeys and and things were trekking through the Himalayas and when we got back to base camp we were able to have showers, but what the showers were was actually a bucket of hot water and a bucket of cold water. And my appreciation for hot water is like knows nose, no bounds. I absolutely love um, sinking into a, a hot tub. Like I, I find that to be incredibly relaxing, incredibly indulgent, particularly when no one is there to bother me. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, it is awesome. And I, I'm a single mom. I don't know if you know that, but I try and have these baths and then, two minutes later I've got this little head can I come in with you and I'm like no wait leave me alone buddy you know my youngest I'm like well you're eight so it's kind of wrong you can't come in the bath with me now but yeah yeah it's just trying to find that space so yeah when you do it when the kids are all in bed awesome idea mine are just too old now
0: they're up late so yeah, well, our kids are still quite young, so they go to bed fairly early and they also wake up fairly early, so I can very easily have a Sunday night bath without too much problems.
1: I'm very lucky for right now. And Lush is is awesome. They've even got that back in um, the UK. I oh, remember. I didn't know that. Yeah, they've got them over there too. Oh, fabulous. If you enjoy meditating or you would like to give meditation a try, why not head on over to happynurse.com.au forward slash meditation to download my free guided meditation for stress and anxiety relief. It's 12 minutes of pure self-care. I always speak about being the best version of ourselves because I think if we're striving to always be the best version of ourselves, we can deliver the best possible patient care. So who or what inspires you to be the best version of yourself?
0: Yeah, I love that question and I think it's so true. One of the daily practices that I follow is around who needs me on my A-game. So every morning I've got a little uh, crush daily thing that I fill out and one of the questions on there is who needs me on my A-game. So depending on what day of the week it is or what I have coming up, really depend on how I feel that out. But having that really specific intention around how it is that you're going to show up, you know, if you're at work, then it's for your patients, it could be for clients. Uh, on the weekend, it's for my kids. If it's something else, you know, that I need to show up for my husband, it's around really getting clear on who and how I need to show up for uh, each and every morning when I wake up. So my kids, mostly.
1: That's awesome that you've got that intention and you actually think about it every morning I love that you do that as part of your practice yeah it's good because I think if we live lives of intention then things just seem to flow and go a lot more smoothly than if we're just running by the seat of our pants hence your tight ship with your four kids yeah and I think yeah the kids do they're one of my big inspirations as well because I think if they can see me following my dreams and, and going after what I want it's encouraging them to do the same thing when they grow up
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think in a world right now where we're raising children in 2020 particularly, uh, it's more important than ever to let them know and and demonstrate resilience and demonstrate, you know, challenging the status quo because they get enough out outside influence, you know, whether it's from the media, whether it's from school, um, they get enough of that to bring them down. You know, we need to make sure that we're the the people that are standing in for them and showing them that there is always a better way.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm so with you on that. I actually just printed out um, Brene Brown's wholehearted parenting manifesto and stuck oh, it on the fridge for the it's kids. So <laughs> good. Isn't it awesome? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, if you want to look that up, I'll put the link in the show notes because it's downloadable on our website. So let's get to the nitty gritty of these courageous conversations. I remember listening to you on Samantha Riley's podcast and I was in the car and I was driving to work and you were talking about these, the five steps. And I just thought, oh my goodness, I need to get Ali on my podcast because this is gold for us as nurses. So I would love you to share your expertise with us.
0: Yeah, sure. I would love to. And um, I call it the five steps to a courageous conversation because what happens and particularly in the workplace, and this even happens at home, but I'm talking mainly in a workplace instance, is that we get so much uh, of the actual having having the conversation caught up in our own head. So step one, of the courageous conversations is around mastering your stories. So this is all what I call the head junk, you know, the itty bitty shitty committee. Uh It could be that internal monologue that's telling you this and that. And it could be uh, a, an entire story that we're conjuring up in our mind. You know, for example, you might have someone at work that you uh, currently clash with and, you know, there'll be something that happens. It won't be a big thing. And then you walk away from the desk and your internal monologue will start going on and on and conjure up an entire story about how they, you know, side-eyed you and that meant this and I'm sure they talked about you last weekend and they don't really like you and they think this and this and this about you. And uh, what we really need to master is is firstly identifying that that's the problem, that we're actually making this entire story up in our head, and then secondly, being able to change those internal thoughts. So there's a really great process that I use, and it's similar to a, a windscreen wiper on a car, and it's just you do that across your eyes, so across your actual vision, and you can go cancel, and that is a pattern interrupt for your own internal dialogue and monologue that can very often get out of control. So that is step I one. Yeah, love It's Yeah, yeah. Because
1: like I speak about us being mind readers and that's what we're doing in that situation isn't it we think we know what someone else is thinking when actually it's just all the story we're creating in our own mind
0: yeah yeah so a, a mind reader but then also a bit of an embellisher as well so we do tend yeah. to conjure it up into a huge uh thing uh, that doesn't end up being that way at all So that's step one is master your stories. And then step two, and this is around when you're actually going to have a courageous conversation. So this is go on a fact finding mission. So very often we will respond or react on something that we've we've either said or heard second or third hand it could be gossip or we might even be reacting on the what we talked about just a second ago on the stories that we're telling ourselves so going on a fact-finding mission finding out what is actually true what is real questioning your own internal monologue and your own head junk to get to the bottom of that and a really great self-coaching question for this one is is that true and how do I know it's true
1: beautiful I love that yeah I often encourage my listeners to use the acronym think is it true helpful inspiring necessary or kind
0: ah, like, awesome
1: yeah I get them to get their stories through that lens as well that's great I love that I haven't heard of that acronym before yeah
0: it's very useful Yeah, it's great. Uh, And then step three is begin with the end in mind. So more often than not, the reason that we get so caught up with not having a courageous conversation is that we don't actually know what we want the outcome to be. So courageous conversations are solution, resolution or progress focus. So we always want to be getting to some kind of end result or moving forward in some manner. So beginning with the end in mind, what is it that you actually want to have happen? You know, if it's with a colleague that you're having a hard time with, do you want to be able to mend that relationship to be able to have a better working relationship. If it's patients, where do you want to be directing these families to? Is there um, you know, some kind of process that you're already following? Perhaps it's even your own leader um, or supervisor. You know, What is it that you actually want to happen as a result of the conversation? So once you know what you want the result to be, it's a lot easier to work backwards. So that is step three, begin with the end in mind.
1: That's awesome. You can focus on the outcome that you're aiming for rather than going into the story that's
0: right yeah um, and then step four is uh, plan it out so once we've mastered our, our stories and we've figured out what it is that we're telling ourselves about the particular situation uh, and then we've also gone on our fact-finding miss mission so we've found out what it is that's real and what's not real we know where we want the the conversation to go so those first three steps make out the planet out and this is where we go okay well we know uh, I was telling myself this this and this we know that here is the real story what I want to happen is that we I can mend this relationship by doing X, Y, and Z so that we can have a great working professional relationship and plan it out that way is step four, plan it out. And then we move on to step five, which I call find the space. So this is a sort of a little bit two-pronged. So holding space for someone because courageous conversations can be quite, as the name suggests, confrontational. It also usually means that there's going to be some kind of emotion involved. So whether it's uh, someone who has a release of emotion and gets uh, quite teary, or it could be someone that gets quite uh, defensive and, and angry as well. So, making sure that when we find the space, that the physical space, the environment is appropriate. So, we wouldn't be having a courageous conversation in the middle of the floor. We wouldn't be having a courageous conversation in a meeting, but really finding a space where, the, where there is a, an understanding that you can have an open, honest, and frank conversation that moves to a resolution, solution, or progress.
1: Awesome. Yeah. That space and where you're delivering what you need to say is crucial. But I think as nurses, we often we're on the run and especially when it comes to medical staff, we have to grab them when we can. So what would be your suggestion there if you're having to I know there's a lot of younger nurses who struggle with approaching medical staff and they'll often come to us older nurses to go and speak to the doctors on their behalf. So have you got any tips for them for actually being able to do it on their own? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So they can definitely do it on their own. So the first one would be uh, unpacking that step one, the master your story. So there would be something going on in those younger nurses' minds where they've gone, okay, I need to get a more senior nurse to talk to this doctor. And it could be something like, I'm not good enough, I haven't been here long enough, they're not going to listen to me because I'm young, which is all internal monologue and not factual in any way. So getting a handle on that uh, and then actually trying to build the – the relationship with those doctors outside of needing to have a courageous conversation with them as well. So it could be you bump into them in the tea room. It could be you just, you know, happen to remember that they had a kid's birthday party on the weekend. Whatever it happened to be is those little minuscule uh, instances where we can build relationship and build trust over time. And if they do need to speak to a doctor we do a thing called a pre-frame. So, hi, Dr. So-and-so, I'd really like to talk to you about X, Y, and Z. Please let me know when you have a time today,
1: this week, however
0: important it happens to be.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's a great idea with a pre-frame. And yeah, as you see, trying to communicate with them away from when you're having to have these courageous conversations too is gold because you need to build that relationship with these medical staff. And I think... I remember, and I'm the same, I try to stay away from doing any kind of agency work because I like my comfort zone and I'm quite happy to admit that. And I work with the same team of doctors all the time, but I've got a really good relationship with them. They understand me. I understand them. They know my capabilities and they give me a deal of autonomy with dealing with their patients, but. I don't like going outside of my comfort zone because I then am in that position where I have to kind of put myself in these courageous conversation situations. So yeah, it's not just the junior ones, probably. I think us older nurses are in the same boat. So yeah, thank you. That's gold. Absolutely.
0: And I think one of the beautiful things about being comfortable and getting outside of your comfort zone is when you start to really unpack the the circle of comfort and the circle of growth, when you start feeling uncomfortable in that comfort zone and then you push through it, that's when you sort of know that you are going into bigger and better things. So doing the things that scare you anyway, because the outcome is going to be so much better. So when we're talking comfort zone, it's, you know, is it comfort or is it just the familiarity, familiarity zone, something that you feel really familiar with? And then when we move um, out of the comfort zone, through the fear zone, into the learning zone, before we get to that growth zone, that's when we start getting uh, into some really cool stuff. You know, you get the vulnerability, you get the courage, uh, you get all sorts of really great things around having your own self-belief and owning mistakes. So there's a lot, a lot of good stuff on the other side of bumping up against that comfort zone for sure
1: oh yeah totally and going into business as a nurse has been a huge growth um trajectory for me because oh, yeah. we don't get yeah we don't get taught this stuff but yeah still at work I can definitely use your tips with them um, the courageous conversations I think they're gold oh wonderful I'm very happy to hear that yeah so is there anything else that you'd like to share
0: uh, I think that just understanding really that the reason that we avoid having these courageous conversations is more often than not based on something that is totally made up in our heads. So at the end of the day, when we're in the workplace, I like to give everyone a generous assumption. So most people want to do the right thing. Most people want to uh, go to work getting along with their colleagues and be able to go home and not have to worry about it. So it's in everyone's best interest that we start leaning into these courageous conversations getting comfortable with being uncomfortable so that at the end of the day we can go home to our beautiful families and not have to be caught up in that cycle of worrying about what's being said at work and getting a handle on that so where you can lean into the uncomfortableness uh, because it is so there's so much good stuff on the other side when you can have those courageous conversations without it being a big issue.
1: Yeah, totally. This beautifully fits into the mental aspect of my um, model of self-care because yeah. I speak about this inner critic, this voice, the dialogue, you know, these stories that we tell ourselves and they do they can stop us in our tracks and really hold us back. So, yeah, unpacking that, realizing when we're going into these stories and we're doing the the shoots and the coulds and the mind reading mm-hmm. is um a huge key to your self-care really because then if you're aware of that and you're addressing these aspects every day it allows you to enjoy that indulgent aspect even more because you don't as you just said you don't have all that mind chatter that worry you're leaving work at work it's you're quite happy with who you are and, and what you've done
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think uh it might have been earlier this year or maybe it was late last year, but World Health Organization recently declared burnout as a syndrome. And I also yeah. saw I'm not sure if you've heard of Dr. Libby. She's up in Queensland but does a lot around um natural health, you know, eating natural food to for optimal health, okay, and yeah. uh, she's recently done a study on stress. You know, all these women were coming in, and they're all quite stressed. And she's like, "What is it that is causing stress, which then leads leads to disease?" And what she found was that the biggest contributor to stress was the stories that we're telling ourselves. So imagine if we could get a handle on those. And then we would reduce our stress levels, which of course would reduce burnout, which would of course reduce absenteeism and all sorts of other things. So yes, it is very much the the starting point, I believe.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because that burnout being classified as a syndrome last year was huge. They've actually acknowledged that it's happening and it's present and I think stress is the most the second most compensated work-related illness in Australia at the moment if you look at the figures so yeah it's um it's a big issue that we need to deal with and there's this new phenomenon too in the healthcare industry called compassion fatigue where it's Ah. just that yeah we kind of become so overwhelmed with the amount of stress and trauma that we're witnessing, that we can no longer offer compassion and empathy to these patients. And that's burnout is a contributing factor to that. So yeah, if we can address that stories we're telling ourselves, it can really stop us going down the path towards that burnout and compassion fatigue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't heard about that, but it makes perfect sense um, as well because it's it takes a lot to be able to give empathy and show compassion to someone whilst also being able to manage what is quite, right now a very heavy workload for many
1: in the, in the healthcare sector. So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. It's something that I'm passionate about and I speak about quite regularly. But yeah, I'd run a webinar on the weekend and there was a few nurses jumped on who were actually in isolation in Victoria, having Mm. been exposed to patients who have got COVID-19. And it kind of opened my eyes into just what my colleagues over East are dealing with, because here in WA, I'm very, very grateful to be in the position I am. And my colleagues back home in Scotland, they're obviously on the, the last line of defence with the virus too. So, yeah, that added stress that's on us on top of what we already were dealing with is huge at the moment. And I can imagine that the stories are probably running rampant in people's heads. So, yeah, this has been an awesome conversation to have with you to offer people some extra tips and strategies to help deal with what could be going on in the mind chatter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm lucky I'm in Adelaide in South Australia as well. So we don't have many cases here either, but my heart is and thoughts are always going out to those on the est- uh, on the Eastern Seaboard who are very much doing it tough and uh, those particularly in the medical field who are doing in- incredibly long hours away from family and friends. And, you know, thank you to all of your listeners and all of the work that you and the rest of your um nurses around Australia, the work that they're doing to keep us safe and really putting themselves in there. So where you can, yeah, take some time out for yourself. Um, And if that means that you need to go and be indulgent and have a hot cup of tea, then absolutely go and do that because it's very important to your own cup, you're aren't able to help the rest of the, the country if there's you know if you're stressed and burnt out and it's not a great place to be either. So please take care of yourself.
1: Thank you. I'm sure my listeners will really appreciate that. Thank you, Early. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Thanks for jumping on. Thank you. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. All right. Thank you so much, Elena. Have a beautiful day. You too. All right, see ya. thank you for listening to the Happy Nurse Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon and in the meantime, remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others.